Hello and welcome to the first episode of the Goal Line Fade podcast. My name is Daniel and I'm here with my friend Adam and we're excited for the opportunity to, to walk through this NFL season with you guys. Um, this podcast was kind of born out of the fact that we probably were spending an hour or two a week talking football anyways and we figured we might as well start recording it. We've had a lot of friends ask us questions about the league over the last few years and so yeah we're hoping that we can use this as an opportunity to to catch you guys up on some of the news from the week to talk about fantasy football a little bit to talk about some of the the hype teams and what's going on with them and yeah just to to keep going on with the world of football so yeah let's just jump into it adam what's what are some of the big news stories from this week yeah some of the big news stories involve suspensions both in the form of players going on suspension and in the form of players coming back from suspension so I mean, the first one to highlight, of course, is the Vontez Burfik suspension. Um, I don't think there's ever been precedent of a player being suspended for a full year like this. And he's definitely got the precedent for it. Um, I, I personally, I'm just, I'm not 100% sold that this was the right, like that this was justifiable. I, I just can't fully get behind it. I know he's had a history of being a dirty player, but for the whole season, that's just like, I mean, that's three quarters of the season for the guy. That's just gone. I just, I don't know. That's my opinion on it. What's your thoughts? No, I'm, I'm in the get him out of the league train. Like I, this guy has just done so much. The amount of players that he has like either given serious injuries to, or if you remember the Antonio Brown hit from a few years ago, straight up knocked out on the field. I don't even want him in the league anymore. Benjamin Watson tweeted out right after the suspension, better late than never. And honestly, that's how I feel. It's just time for him to go. He's too dangerous. Yeah, no, fair enough. And, uh, I mean, on the topic of suspensions, we've got players coming off suspension now too, and I think they're more headline-type players than Vontez Perfect. Uh, we got Golden Tate, we got Taylor Lewan. Um, who are some other names, Daniel, that really stuck out to you as players coming back this week? Mo Claiborne is a big one. He's yeah. he never lived up to that first-round billing, but but he's been a talented corner during his time in the league, and he'll be good to have back. Antonio Callaway looked last year like he was maybe going to develop into a playmaker he always had the talent it was his attitude that was the problem so even though he'll probably be buried on Cleveland's depth chart a little bit having another weapon in that offense can't be a bad thing yeah yeah absolutely and um for me personally I'm I like Golden Tate and the the fact that he's coming back and uh it's going to help Daniel Jones in that offense take a little bit of the pressure off Ingram and and Shepard while Barkley is hurt um no I I think Golden Tate and Taylor Lewan especially are going to be uh, two big names to focus on that are going to be plug and play this week that are you know going to impact their teams quite a bit coming back. Luan is a big one too because honestly that I mean the team has had their moments they've looked good at times and uh, you know when when Marcus Mariota ultimately gets benched for Ryan Tannehill Luan's going to be a great <laughs> blindside protector for him so. <laughs> yeah I don't know I'm not sold on <laughs> Tannehill taking over that starting job yet but uh, so unfortunately some other news that we have is injury related and Today was a day for players going on IR, apparently. So um, we've got a laundry list of players. We've got Bradley Chubb uh, for the Denver Broncos. We've got Steven Goskowski, kicker for the Patriots. Uh, we got John Ross. I mean, what are your thoughts on some of these injuries, Daniel? Uh, Bradley Chubb. I yeah, mean, I. he's had a slow start, only has one sack. But, I mean, it's a good Broncos defense. And, and Vic Fangio, he's a defensive-minded coach. You know, they, they would excel under him. So to lose a player who... and has the first round pedigree is a talented player it's always a hit for a team Um, especially for a young player you hope that losing this season doesn't set their career on a bad course and you got to feel bad for the guy but at the same time I think the Broncos probably have the depth to deal with it Um, their season seems at this point like it might be lost already anyways but 
It, it just sucks for the guy. No one likes to see injuries like this. Yeah, no, absolutely. And um, going a bit further with that too, I mean, it's it's unfortunate for, for young guys, but also for older guys who are sort of at that point in their career when you don't know um, – you know how much longer they have in the tank uh steven goskowski i mean he was he was struggling this year i think he's missed four extra points and there was some speculation you know is he dealing with an injury what's going on and to see him go on ir today um i i guess ultimately in some ways it's surprising in some ways it's really not um i mean it's a pretty big loss for the patriots for the value that he can provide when he's healthy um yeah, it's, it's disappointing to see players like that who are contributors to their teams going down, and who knows? I, I mean, I hopefully hopefully he has a, a good return next year when he comes back and, you know, that he can be that player that he, he was, but uh, who knows? This might be the end of his career. I think I especially am feeling sad for the, the receivers who went on today. Dontrell Inman, was he ever amazing in the NFL? No. Was he a solid depth player? Definitely. He had some decent seasons, um, but for the Chargers now, they're they're down to three healthy receivers on their team, and Sure, one of them is Keenan Allen, but the, that offense that, I mean, coming into the this year, they looked like they could be a really good football team. And that offense, I mean, classic Chargers, you, you lose players to random things. You you lose Dontrell Inman, you had Melvin Gordon holding out until now. And um, worse than him, I just feel so bad for John Ross. He came in so hyped up, runs a 4-2-2 at the Combine, comes in, has one touch in his rookie year, and it's a fumble, gets benched for it comes in in the second year is an absolute disappointment comes for his third year lights it up in the first two games and then definitely comes back down to earth in week three and four but to have his season end like this now after maybe feeling like he was kind of figuring out how this whole nfl thing worked i i feel bad for the guy yeah absolutely and uh unfortunately that offense doesn't have too much going for it right now i mean as we'll talk about a bit later joe mixon is not really providing too much too much certainty in that offense um, with AJ Green not being healthy, Tyler Boyd is now, I think their only major, or not even, I guess you can't say major weapon, but their only legitimate threat as a receiver. Um, yeah, I'm. You got to feel bad for the Bengals having the team that they have right now in the situation they have. It's uh, no, it's it's disappointing, especially for for a team like that to to have the injury that they're having there. I mean, but talking about some players coming back from injuries now, or. Not necessarily coming back, but with um, some good injury news, we have Tyron Smith. He, after the game on Sunday night, they were saying maybe four to six weeks with a high ankle sprain, and now the news is coming out that he might only miss a week. So that's got to be super encouraging for Cowboys fans. He is the best left tackle in football, and he anchors what is a very strong offensive line. To have lost him for six weeks could have doomed that team, but this this is really, really good news, especially for Dak having his blindside protected. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, th- I mean, when they talk about offensive lines in the NFL, that's the offensive line that everyone references, and it's because of a player like Tyron Smith. So having that foundation at, at left tackle in that offense is, is definitely quite important. Tyree um, Kill coming back too. What do you think about that? Yeah, you know what? I was, I was pretty shocked about that. I remember that being a big injury in week one, and that was something that, uh, like, from a medical perspective, was very concerning. Like, there was a lot of health uh, implications there and different things that could have happened had you know had his <laughs> had it been a little bit worse of a situation I guess I yeah not knowing the medical terms but um, yeah I was shocked today to see him coming back and I mean good for him um, 
it's an offense that doesn't need him by any means, and they've proven that over the course of the last couple of weeks. But and they're probably still, I doubt, like there's probably no way he plays this week. He's probably still a couple of weeks out, but even just to have him back at practice, I'm sure that's a good thing for that team. Yeah, absolutely. Um, the rich get richer, right? Like, I mean, that's the expression for a reason. The Kansas City Chiefs are definitely getting richer at this point by getting Tyreek Hill back this early. Sam Darnold's another guy, too, back at practice, but they're saying until, and, and they have no estimate on this, when his spleen finally shrinks back down to a normal size, he'll be back in. And, I mean, the Jets have got to feel like their season is slipping away without this guy, and they had hopes of being a 10-win, maybe a wild-card team this year. So it's got to be nice to have him potentially coming back in the next little bit. Yeah, I think, especially with this one, um, again, not knowing the, the complete medical terms or the medical implications of starting a player um, with his health conditions, but... At this point in the year, their season is, I'd lean towards saying lost. You know, it's don't rush the guy back when there those health ramifications on the line. Um, it is just, it's so fitting for the Jets. You know, you have these legendary moments like the, the Mark Sanchez butt fumble. You have uh, the Rex Ryan foot fetish thing from a few years back that was real messed up. <laughs> and now you have Sam Darnold with mono keeping him out. Like, I'll never laugh at a player's injury, but a player catching mono, I, I definitely had a little bit of a chuckle when that news first started coming out. Well, it, it wasn't necessarily the, the chuckle about the injury. For me, it was I, all of my social media feeds had Bill Belichick somehow involved in this because I was right after the Demarius Thomas trade. <laughs> did we send Demarius Thomas off with mono? Like, who knows? Um, yeah, that was the interesting thing is it was just the, the way people involved the Patriots somehow because of course they control everything so it was uh it was definitely interesting to see how some people handled that news when it first came out but well, yeah and talking about the Patriots next week they'll they'll be lining up against the Washington Redskins and Jay Gruden came out with what honestly feels like one of the most honest moments a head coach has ever had telling the media today that he has no plans at QB and might not even decide until game time on Sunday yeah so uh something I really liked on Twitter today was I saw this and I it was it was a post saying that you know, Bill Belichick loves to be able to prepare. He loves to be able to know the opposing team he's going up against. So maybe the ultimate way to stump Bill Belichick is not to tell him anything. <laughs> so including who your starting quarterback is going to be. So, uh, I mean, I don't know. I don't know. Is that going to work? Uh, how much confidence does that portray to the players in your locker room? Um, does Dwayne Haskins feel any better about having an absolutely terrible first game as a rookie when his coach is not willing to commit to him after a game like that? Who knows? Um, well, and, and here's my guess. If Jay Gruden can't figure out this QB thing, the uh, Washington Redskins will be trying to figure out a new head coach thing by the end of next week. So Yeah, absolutely. And you and I talked about this. I, I, I personally think this is the week that I, I thought it was going to be last week, but I, I think with each week that comes and Jay Gruden isn't, let go as head coach, yeah, it's going to surprise it me. It just gets more sure. and more likely every week with this yeah. team as bad as they are. Yeah, unfortunately, that's the case. Yeah, so, um, you know, it's it's just natural to talk about a coach that's being fired and some teams that are, are doing really well. So uh, we're going to transition to the top of the list now. So only three teams in the AFC with winning records. Um, we got the Patriots at 4-0, the Chiefs at 4-0, and the Bills at 3-1. and um, Entering this season to project that only three teams in the AFC would have a winning record after four weeks, it's not a bet I would have made. No, and especially, I mean, we had teams in the AFC that people were really excited about. Everyone thought Houston was going to keep taking their steps forward this year, and sure, the, Jada the Jadavian Clowney trade probably changed some minds, but 
it's not like he was the best player on that defense. They they still seem like a team that should be pushing. Um, I mean, no one imagined Jacoby Brissett was going to be starting in Indianapolis either, but with Andrew Luck, a lot of people thought they could be a Super Bowl contender. So, I mean, sure, a lot of these teams are at 2-2, two and two, but still to see so many teams at or below 500. I mean, we've known for a while that the NFC is a bit of a stronger conference at this point, but, I mean, considering that the Bills are one of the three teams, like, they were undefeated until quite honestly what was a real battle with the patriots yeah absolutely no i uh i think the first two teams make sense absolutely but again the bills making it as a surprise another team that's kind of a surprise based on all the offseason hype cleveland browns i just gotta say the fact that they're they're not you know they're not with a winning record right now i mean yeah it's it's, it's one of those things where coming into the season everyone was thinking that the next brady manning battle was going to be mahomes and baker and we've yet to see if that's going to take shape the los angeles chargers are probably another that very well like based on on offseason hype they could have been four and at this point baltimore after the first two weeks people imagine they were going to be rolling as as one of the best teams in the league and they're sitting at two and two as well so the afc is just kind of a mess but i don't know it, it's it is fun, though, talking about Lamar Jackson, talking about all these young QBs we have going, and, um, I mean, a, a team that also is kind of a mess, or at least was until a couple of weeks ago, the New York Giants, making the switch from, from Eli Manning to Daniel Jones. What are you thinking of this this very hot start to his career? Yeah, you know, um, I, I think the number one thing when it comes to a player in New York is how well they handle the, you know, the off-the-field spotlight, and you haven't heard too many headlines dealing with Danny or Daniel Jones. Uh, you know, when it comes to Odell or players like that, that had all the hype built around them in New York, um, every single day there was a headline about them. If they sneezed, if they brushed their teeth, um, the fact that Daniel Jones doesn't have that sort of coverage or isn't getting that, uh, you know, that attention from the media, I think it just goes to speak to the fact that there's really no reason to talk about this guy other than he's playing really well. Um, you know, it's not questioning the decision to, to put him in favor of or in benching Eli Manning. You know, I think it was it was the first time that a decision was made and New York is actually supportive of it. I, I mean, that's that's my off the football field take. But on the football field, I mean, he's got a 69 percent completion percentage, three touchdown passes, two touchdown runs. Um, you know, he's two interceptions and two fumbles. But um, overall, the, the guy's playing good. What do you think? That completion percentage is really what stands out to me. You know, a lot of young QBs come in and um, they, they run offenses that, that rely on the short pass, and the Giants aren't necessarily doing that. He's taking shots down. I mean, his nickname is Danny Dimes. It's because he, he can throw a really pretty deep ball. Yeah. I, I, I've been very impressed, and I was very much among the group of people ridiculing the, the Giants for taking him at sixth overall, but yeah. it, it seems to me like they might have they had people's number on this pick. He, he looks real, and I'm... I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of the Giants, but it's exciting, again, seeing these young QBs in the league, Kyler Murray, seeing Lamar Jackson starting to work, seeing Daniel Jones looking like he could, could be something good. It, it's fun to see these, these good QBs starting to come up in the league. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, speaking about new QBs in the league, uh, Jameis Winston, not one of those new no, QBs. Yeah, not really new anymore. But, but. <laughs> somewhat playing like a new quarterback in Bruce Arians' system. I mean, he's playing pretty darn well this year in comparison to other seasons and i mean that tampa bay buccaneers team is starting to look good are we are we what are we thinking about them i'm not quite ready to buy in um i think Jameis winston i mean four games in five picks already and 
knowing touchdowns, him, though. knowing him, he could double that in one game. The the running game, the the Bucks just need to give up on this Peyton Barber thing. He's averaging three point four yards per carry. They have Ronald Jones averaging four point seven on an almost equal amount of carries. Like just just put Peyton Barber on the bench, give Ronald Jones the football. You have probably the best duo at wide receiver in the NFL. If they can focus on what they do well, they'll keep scoring points. And you have a guy like Shaq Barrett absolutely lighting it up on defense. They, they look like they have a lot of potential, but I have such a hard time buying into a Jameis Winston-led team. I just don't know yet. Yeah, no, um, I think for now their defense, their defense can support them. I think that's one thing that we saw is their defense can support them. Um, obviously against a, a team like the Rams in a shootout like that, it took a little bit more of a defensive effort, but um, their defense, like they're playing clutch. And um, I don't know, I, they're one of the teams that I think you have to start watching. You have to start marking them off as your, on your schedule as a, as a tough team. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not 100% sure yet on, on whether I'm sold, but I think in the coming weeks we'll find out, that's for sure. And I will admit, anytime you put up 55 points on a team, that is impressive. I, I can't discount that, but... Even if it's the Dolphins. <laughs> yeah, fair. It just feels the the fluky way that, that Jameis Winston seems to do things. 55 just kind of makes sense, you know? He'll do it once, and then he'll probably throw enough picks to get a team up on the same amount. So <laughs> we'll have to see. Um, but there's, you know, shifting over from the, the NFC South into the AFC South. This is a division that, I mean, people expected to be competitive coming into the year, um, at least between the, the Texans and Colts. But now you have the Jags in, in Minshew Mania looking like maybe they're for real. You have the Titans who no one really knows what they are yet because it feels like one game Mariota's doing Mariota things and throwing for 170 yards and no touchdowns. And one game he's putting up three touchdowns and then throwing the ball well so who are you thinking might come out on top in that division um you know what i've got two thoughts here the first one i'd love to see the colts be that team um i'm a big jacoby Brissett fan um from his days with the patriots i i believe in the guy and i think the guy is uh you know a good quarterback that can t- take a team far um if i'm basing it on schedule and just the pure talent that i think is in a locker room i have to say the texans though i think uh with the schedule they face they, they have some tests they have the Chiefs, they have the Ravens, they have the Patriots, they have the Bucks. But again, I just think with the talent they have, um, with Watson, with Hopkins, um, I, I think that they have the best shot to win this division. And I think the rest of the teams just can't match the consistency that the Texans are able to produce. Yeah, I feel like this division at this point is a two-team race. I, I know some people will get mad for me discounting the Jags and the Titans here, but the Colts when Andrew Luck was still there were considered a Super Bowl contender they are they're a talented football team and Jacoby Brissett has looked like an NFL starting quarterback the Colts showed some confidence by giving him money before he really started a full season and it it seems like they're winning that deal right now and the Texans Deshaun Watson is just a winner and they have a lot of good weapons on that offense with the best wide receiver in football and DeAndre Hopkins with Will Fuller as that nice speed threat they look like a good football team too. At this point, I actually think I'm leaning towards the Colts taking this division. Jacoby Brissett is playing well enough. They they have, um, oh gosh, T.Y. Hilton. There we go. <laughs> a top seven receiver for sure. They have Marlon Mack, who people are pretty high on. I don't mind him. He seems like a good running back. Niam Hines is not a terrible backup to be to be going there. You have a good one-two punch at tight end with Jack Doyle and Eric Ebron. They're, they're a team that definitely has the personnel to go in and win football games. And, I mean, 
I understand if some people don't believe in Jacoby Brissett, but he's playing well enough. And if they were a Super Bowl contender with Luck, I think they're definitely a contender to win this division with Brissett. Yeah, absolutely. Um, that'll be a fun one to watch for sure, just because how, how tight of a race it is. And um, because we truly haven't seen enough of Jacoby Brissett, I, I think, to, to see that talent that you and I are both confident he has. So, um, you know, a team that we are confident in their quarterback and we have seen what he has to or what he's been able to produce um the cowboys are they for real or this after the saints loss what are we, what are we thinking about them yeah it's it's funny you'd mention the quarterback because honestly i was part of that group of voices making fun of dak prescott for making his contract demands about two months ago and all of a sudden we, we come in in four weeks deep i'm saying oh shoot maybe the cowboys should have just given him the money he wanted because he has taken his game to a new level this year and i think that's in part due to the the pieces around him they have Amari Cooper, who I also have doubted in the past, but he's looking good this year. They have Michael Gallup coming off of injury again soon, and, and he looked so good near the end of last year. They have probably, disputably, the best running back in football in Ezekiel Elliott, who, I mean, you could run an offense through him, but they don't need to. They're, they're throwing the ball. Dak is looking good. They have the best O-line in football. They have a defense that can at least get the job done. I, I really like the Cowboys, and I think them losing to the Saints is more a testament to how good the Saints are rather than a testament to them as a football team. I wouldn't be shocked to see the Cowboys playing on that first Sunday in February. They are a talented football team. Yeah, I you know what? I want to buy into the hype. I want to say that the Cowboys are for real because football's just fun when the Cowboys are good. I, I hate to say it. A lot of people are going to hate that comment. America's but team. I, you know, I don't buy them as America's team, but just football is fun when the Cowboys are good. And um, you know what? Them beating the Eli-led Giants, the Redskins, the Dolphins, you know, not not the three most impressive teams to beat in the league. The Dolphins being historically the worst football team of all time in terms of point differential. Yeah, I mean, well, in the Redskins, I mean, they're not that bad, but they're still pretty bad, too. Um I think the important thing to call out is that they have a lot of upcoming tests coming at them. So they're, they're playing green Bay. Uh, they're playing the jets, Philadelphia, they're at the giants and then they're at Minnesota. That's their next five weeks. You know what? I'm confident to say in the next five weeks, we'll find out if Dak is for real and if the Cowboys are for real, because those are some serious tests that they're going to have to face. Um, if they truly are who they think they are and if they can actually win this division and compete in the NFC. I wouldn't be shocked to see them sitting at eight and one, seven and two at the end of that stretch of games. But we'll just have to see. And yeah. I mean, the last the last team they're playing, they're the Minnesota Vikings. They've been a little bit of an enigma. They they paid their quarterback a whole lot of money, fully guaranteed, and they're running the ball almost at the clip that a team from the 1980s would have. So, what are we thinking is next for that football team? You know what? What what really um, interests me, I guess, about this situation is. I remember at, at one point last year, it was when John Filippo came over from the Eagles and he was going to be their offensive coordinator after just winning the Super Bowl with the Eagles as their quarterback coach. And he was calling far too many passing plays. They just, the, the pass to run ratio was way off and uh, they fired him in, you know, in favor of a more balanced approach and wanting to make sure that they balanced out the passing and the running game. This year, we've seen the complete opposite. I mean, like a complete 180 where it's Dalvin Cook getting the ball like a, a really high amount, which is great. Like he's a very talented player, but I mean, they're eliminating Thielen and Diggs from that offense. 
I don't quite understand uh, from that perspective why why they've shifted their offense that much. Um, what are your what are your additional thoughts there? Yeah, it's. I mean, we were talking about the Bucks having the best one-two punch at at receiver in football. If the Bucks are number one, the Vikes are number two with with Thielen and Diggs. You have so much talent in that receiving core. You have Kyle Rudolph, who no never developed into what people thought he was going to be, but he's a safe tight end to throw the football to. Um, you have Dalvin Cook, who can definitely play as a receiving back. And somehow you have Kirk Cousins averaging 7.4 yards per attempt. And just for some comparison, we have Mahomes at 9.7, which is not surprising. But Lamar Jackson, quarterbacking an offense that everyone kind of thought would just be a dink and dunk, try to kill you with short passes, averaging 8.3. Kirk Cousins is not a bad QB. I remember early last season, he was throwing balls with, with touch like I've never seen before. He was making such nice passes, and now they've almost abandoned it. You can't even you can't fault Stephon Diggs for maybe wanting out and Adam Thielen for coming out and kind of low key ripping on the play calling and maybe even Kirk Cousins there. I, I don't know what this offense thinks they're gonna do the rest of the season, but eventually teams will clue in and start just putting eight men in the box. Yeah, it's uh, they're one of those teams that, especially in the division that they're competing in, they can't afford to have this early slump in the year. And uh, I think. In the next couple games, they'll have to shift their offense and <laughs> really find out the offense that they want to be going forward. Um, you know, a- another team that's really had to shift their offense with losing Ben Roethlisberger was was the Steelers. And you know what? I didn't watch as much of the Monday night game as I would have wished, but Daniel, you watched it, and I know you texted me immediately <laughs> about the offense that they're running there. And what are your thoughts? What were the what were the main things that stuck out to you as unique? Yeah, I just I love unconventional offenses so much. And seeing the Steelers come out and run the Wildcat nine times with incredible success was so much fun for me. It, it definitely is not the Steelers of old. I think I might have seen one deep pass the entire game, and it happened to go for a touchdown, but that's because they just set that defense up. They were dumping it off to running backs and screens on little um, on bootleg, just, just quick throws to the running backs. But they were putting up points. Jalen Samuels goes from zero touches a week ago to touching the ball, I think, 17, 18, 19 times between his carries, his catches, and his technically passes, according to the stat sheet. But they were essentially wildcat handoffs. I don't know. It, it feels like a college offense, and it's kind of fun to see in this league. And it seems like it's the best way to make Mason Rudolph really look like an NFL quarterback. Well, absolutely. And I think, uh, again, not not that I watched it, but I think if if they want to win that division, I think we've seen that, you know, your offense needs to be unique and set up to the situation that you have. And for the Ravens, it was customizing their offense to Lamar Jackson for, uh, for the Browns. It's making sure that Baker's comfortable in that offense and has the weapons around him. And this might be the Steelers way to, you know, to make their offense the best it possibly can be for them. If they had gone to this earlier, I wouldn't have been shocked to have seen James Conner repeat his success from last year. So we'll have to see down the stretch what happens, but I mean, there are a few other running backs who have been been really impressing, um, a few of which I think actually could be MVP candidates. And um, I mean, Christian McCaffrey, I don't know what he's doing this year. He's just playing out of his mind. He came in his rookie year. He looked kind of like not a bust, but maybe like the Panthers had reached a bit on him. Uh, His second year, all of a sudden, they decided that he was going to be the offense and it worked. And now in his third year, he's proven that even more averaging just over 100 yards rushing per game just over 50 receiving he has four touchdowns and two of those games are with Kyle Allen who is definitely looking good but I mean some of the threat was always Cam Newton's legs it's a lot of fun to watch and I think by the end of the season if he keeps this up we might be seeing Christian McCaffrey taking home the MVP trophy and I know Patrick Mahomes is the favorite I don't even want to talk about him who would be a low-key MVP candidate that you could see yeah so 
Um, we just talked about their offense as, as a problem, but I think one of the shining stars of the Vikings offense is Dalvin Cook. Um, I mean, averaging over 100 yards rushing per game, almost 30 yards receiving per game, uh, like five touchdowns. Um, just with the amount he's touching the ball, with the amount of... Um, I think it's just below 70% is their rushing percentage right now. It, it's insane. It's it's ridiculous. And I mean, I mean, they've literally picked up their offense and put it on his back. And uh, it's... You can't get much more literal than that with the way that they're the way that they're distributing the ball. Um, I, I think that if he can carry this team, he is definitely a, a candidate for MVP and, and someone who could get um, quite a few votes in that position. Um, it'll depend if they can take a little bit more of the pressure off of him to allow him to succeed. But uh, just the way he's looking, how agile he is, how he can just touch that ball and go like, you know, it's, uh, it's one of those players that are just absolutely fun to watch every Sunday. Yeah. And I, I want to give you two more here. Um, one is more of a joke, but Shaq Barrett has had quite the start to the season and I don't think he's going to keep it up. Um, I'd be willing to, to put a bet that he might cap out at 12 sacks this year. I feel like he's just going to start getting stopped, but if he keeps this pace up, he'd be a legitimate candidate for MVP as a defensive player with, with nine sacks, three forced fumbles and a pick through four games. He's, he's playing well. He was buried on the Broncos depth chart for a few years, but now it seems like he is, he is here and he wants to play well. So that's been exciting to see, but also Russell Wilson, you know, I still almost think of him as this young quarterback. He's 31 now and it feels like his mind has really caught up with his body and it's coming together in something special. He is quietly being, Honestly, I think I'm willing to say better than Patrick Mahomes. He's sitting at a 73 completion percentage, has 1,141 passing yards, eight passing touchdowns, two rushing touchdowns, no picks. That is sneaky good from a guy who has always, since he came into the league, been a threat. But now with the Seahawks team that really doesn't have a ton of weapons around him, I'm loving the numbers he's putting up. Yeah, and he's, again, like you said, it. he's kind of quietly doing that too i mean their team is off to uh to a pretty good start and uh, i mean he's he's always been the make, main contributor to their success and if if he has a good game the team typically has a good game if he has an off game the team has an off game so i mean he alone can win you 10 games you could have pretty much nothing else around him and he'll manage 10 wins somehow and, i mean how else do you do best to find an mvp but being the reason the team is able to pull off the success that they are so yeah. again it's it's reasons to believe in mccaffrey and that you know, that Panthers offense without Newton. It's a reason to believe in Cook, um, you know, with that Vikings offense being as mixed up as it is. And again, yeah, it's the reason to believe in potentially Russell Wilson, despite everyone wanting to jump on the Mahomes bandwagon and despite Mahomes being like one of the, you know, like freakiest, freakiest quarterbacks we've ever seen. And uh, yeah, with an unconventional style we've ever seen before. I mean, um, I think some of these guys have the potential to overthrow him. Yeah, he's, he's a special player, but... I mean, I may be a little biased, but I, I just hope that he doesn't win it two years in a row. Not because I don't think he deserves it, but because I think it's more fun when, when some of these other guys pull the award out. So Yeah, no, absolutely. So I'd be interested, too. We we're, we both play fantasy football, um, probably to a point of being a little bit obsessive. I think I have uh, 24 moves in the first four weeks of the season. So I, I maybe am on it a little bit too much. But who were some of the players in this last week who surprised you with some of their production? Yeah, so uh, you know what? Two that surprised me most were uh, Nick Chubb from the Cleveland Browns and Leonard Fournette from the Jacksonville Jaguars. So Chubb, I mean, he, what's interesting is, and I mean, everyone wants to talk about that Cleveland Browns offense, including myself. 
Um, you know, they have players like Odell. They have players like Jarvis Landry, Joku, um, and, of course, Baker. Who would have expected that what would have set their offense off and really put their offense, uh, you know, over the top in a game this season um, or hit them on their potential hot streak was Nick Chubb. And the fact that he had three touchdowns the other day, um, very impressive. Um, I think he has the, the, you know, the potential to be what sets that offense uh, on their hot streak. And, yeah, I think that he could be the reason that they're a, a playoff contender this year. Um, and then, yeah, Leonard Fournette from the Jacksonville Jaguars. I mean, the fact that he had, I believe it was over 200 yards rushing this past week against the Denver Broncos defense, which is no slouch of a team. They're, they're a good defense there. Um, maybe not the best run defense, but still a, overall a well-coached, you know, you if nothing else. Yeah, yeah, well-coached. Maybe not on the stat sheet or the, the, you know, a good run defense. But it's, it's interesting to see Leonard Fournette. He, I mean, he just hasn't been the focal point of that offense. Um, the last couple of years, you know, with Blake Bortles back there, he, you know, the teams are stacking the box. And, and now the fact that Minshew's playing the way he is, like he's just not getting the attention that I think he deserves. I think Leonard Fournette is still a player that um, that has the ability to make Jacksonville successful. And it was it was interesting to see him having that role this past Sunday. But uh, yeah, Daniel, who are, who are your thoughts? Who, who? Yeah, I kind of have two little bit smaller name players in mind. One, and I've loved him since he was a Dallas Cowboy, Cole Beasley on pace now for 96 catches and 984 receiving yards in the Bills offense. And I feel bad for him in the slot with Josh Allen because I think all Josh Allen knows how to do is is throw deep and overthrow his slots by about six feet. But Cole Beasley against what is probably one of the strongest secondaries in the league in the Patriots goes off for seven catches, 75 yards. He is a PPR monster at that point. Um, and I'm sure he was on a lot of waiver wires in a lot of leagues. No one really pays attention to Beasley, so it's it's kind of fun to see him start to play. I don't think he's going to hit those totals that he's on pace for, but, I mean, he could definitely be a week-to-week potential starter. And Jalen Samuels is another guy. Again, goes from zero touches to putting up. I mean, he had three completions for, I think, 31 yards, something like that. Sure, 26 rushing yards on 10 carries isn't great, but he got that touchdown, got eight receptions, 57 yards. He's He's getting stats across the board. If he keeps scoring touchdowns, he could be really good. And to see him just go this week, I immediately put him on my roster, dropped a guy, picked him up, and I already have James Conner. I might end up starting both of them this week. It's exciting to see a team, again, going for an unconventional offense and, and seeing it work like that with Samuels. So, Yeah, absolutely. And that, and that's the thing. It's not like it's taking away touches from people who have James Conner either. Like Both of them may be able to contribute in an equal way going forward, which is pretty neat to see. Um, unfortunately, as a Patriots fan, what's not neat to see, the Patriots offense are one of the disappointments we're going to highlight this week, among others. Um, you know, speaking from the heart here, Tom Brady, 150 yards passing. Uh, they rushed for only 74 yards as a team. James White was the leading receiver with 57 yards. Um, you know, it, it's it's disappointing, especially because some of the knocks are, like the Patriots are playing poor teams. Uh, I think... Before the Steelers won a game, we hadn't played a team that won at all uh, between the Steelers, the Jets, and the Dolphins. So to go and play the Bills, I mean, I, I'm like the Patriots defense showed up. Uh, but yeah, the Patriots offense really didn't do all that much. It wasn't all that impressive. Brady didn't look all that good, unfortunately. Um, I was disappointed with them this week. Yeah, and I, I mean, for a team that generally you're used to at least one guy on their offense generating some kind of points you really wouldn't have been worse off benching every member of their offense for fantasy this week. But I think that does speak to how good the Bills defense is. 
I think they're definitely a team worth looking at streaming against some weaker offenses and even probably some stronger ones. They'll be they'll be putting up numbers in fantasy. But another player who felt like maybe he was starting to hit his stride and, well, kind of broke everyone's hope this week was Nelson Aguilar. Last season, again, a PPR, really solid PPR player in fantasy and comes out and has a bit of a disappointing start, but it looked like his momentum was starting to roll and then he manages one target in a full game with his starting quarterback playing the whole time. And it's just disappointing. You know so many hyped Aguilar owners who like put him in expecting wide receiver one numbers and he gives you a grand total of zero points. It's just disappointing. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, I mean, that's just the Philadelphia offense for you. Uh, I, I have Zach Ertz in one of my leagues and, and that's what I'm kind of used to on a week by week basis is I know Zach Ertz is consistent in that offense too, but I mean, he's not pulling up as many points as I would expect from arguably one of the better tight ends in the league. So um, that Eagles offense is one that always makes me a little bit nervous. And it's uh, unfortunately it hurt Aguilar owners this week. Um, some additional owners that may have been hit were owners of Adam Thielen and Odell Beckham Jr., two more receivers that, uh, you know, they didn't have just one target like Aguilar did, but they had, like, Adam Thielen had six targets, two catches for six yards. Odell Beckham Jr., seven targets, two receptions, 20 yards. Um, those are two players. You put them in the lineup week by week. I mean, heck, you, you set your lineup months in advance. It doesn't and, matter and who they're, they're playing. You, you line both those guys you, up no matter what. Absolutely. They're starting for you every single week. And to see them come out with that production, I mean, it hurts. And, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine that people with those players were a little bit disappointed this past, past week for sure. So then to avoid that disappointment this week, who are some guys that you'd maybe recommend starting up and, and letting them go for your fantasy team? Yeah, so I'm going to start off right where I left off. Um, Adam Thielen, they're, they're, you know, the Minnesota Vikings are playing the Giants. The Giants have the 24th ranked pass defense. Um Again, there was there was some beef this this week between you know Kirk Cousins and Adam Thielen, and no one really knows what Adam Thielen's comments were directed at. If it was Kirk Cousins personally, or if it was their offensive play calling, I think this is the week where they just force feed Thielen the ball. I think this is the week where they realize that Dalvin Cook can't be the f- the only point to their offense. Um, I think that this is the week that they realize they need to get other players involved, and I think that will come in the form of fe- feeding Adam Thielen the ball. Um, what are your thoughts? Who are some other players you're thinking about? I'm really liking, weirdly enough, Mohamed Sanu for the Falcons. He is definitely their number three receiver, but he's put up like solid numbers the last couple of weeks. He's been known for those random trick play passing touchdowns. You never know when one of those is going to get pulled out. And this week, they're, they're lining up against the Texans' defense, which is not great. And they'll be putting a lot of their effort into slowing down Julio Jones and slowing down Calvin Ridley. And you know the Falcons are hungry for a win at this point. Dan Quinn's job is probably not as secure as he'd like it to be. I would not be surprised to see Mohamed Sanu put up another really solid week against the Texans' defense, just, again, with Quinn trying to survive and with these other receivers probably being where a defense is going to focus. He's, he's going to be good. He had, I think, seven catches last week, nine catches, something like that. So I'd be starting him against the Houston D. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know about the, the specific leagues that other people are in, but I don't think he's in... I don't think he's been picked up in our league either. I think he's available. Uh, no, I went to pick him up and someone grabbed him in ours, but I'm oh, sure okay. he's available in a lot of leagues still. Yeah, exactly. That's what I was trying to get at is, I mean, there's still probably potential for him to be picked up in a lot of leagues. So if you need that, that person to contribute, whether it's a buy or, um, yeah, whether you just need a flex option for this week's matchups, he's, he's definitely got to take a look at. Um, some guys that you may not want to start in your, in your lineup this week. Um, Daniel, I know you're strongly opinionated about this one. 
Give us give us one name. So I, last season, um, when I, I had Le'Veon Bell on my team and when the all the issues with his holdout came up, I shipped him off for Joe Mixon, which last season was one of the best trades I could have made, and it brought me to the championship game, which I ultimately lost. But anyways, I come into this season, we're a keeper league, I'm super hyped, I have Joe Mixon back. The Cincinnati Bengals do not have an offensive line that belongs in the NFL. The blocking is horrendous. And it's not only time to sit him for this week, I think it's time to be maybe trying to ship him off to someone who maybe still values him, but it's time to throw in the towel with Joe Mixon. He's got to go, and it hurts me to say it because that's probably what will lead me to starting both James Conner and Jalen Samuels this week, but I just can't trust Joe Mixon to to be a focal point of my team anymore. Yeah, no, fair enough. Um, I, I think, again, like their team just isn't producing on offense, and I think, you know, when you're thinking about fantasy, that might be one team that you just you fully rule out starting any players from the Bengals. And uh, unfortunately, Joe Mixon is one of those guys that people had high expectations, like yourself, to that he was going to perform for you. But yeah, unfortunately, that's just not the case. Um, yeah, when it comes to other sits, uh, I don't know. Do you have any other thoughts on anyone else to sit this week? Well, and I know we're probably going to have a disagreement on this one. I, if I'm a Melvin Gordon owner, I am looking at people getting hyped that he's coming back, and I am trying to trade him while he is hot because Eckler has played way too well for the Chargers to stop giving him the ball. That's going to be a carry split, and it is time for Melvin Gordon owners to to jump ship and try to get as much value as they can. I think this week, once people see his usage, they'll be his value will be completely gone. Yeah, and that's what – you know what I really want to see this week? Um, overall, whoever's handling the ball for the, the Chargers is going to have a great week. Um, the Broncos are the 30th ranked rush defense. So while well, Fournette did run through them and, uh, well, Vic Fangio, you know, we, we like to think that he has the potential to coach a, a strong defensive unit there. They just aren't that strong when it comes to the run defense at this point in time. So whether it's Eckler, whether it's Gordon, whoever's touching the ball is going to have a, you know, have a good game. So I'm, I'm willing to bet that that's going to be Melvin Gordon. So you and I disagree on this one. I'd personally put him in the starting column. Um, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that offense uses a player like Eckler because you're not going to put him on the bench for Melvin Gordon. Like you need to utilize um, his capabilities, especially because of the situation that you talked about earlier, where they only have a couple healthy receivers. Um, you know, they need to get Eckler involved in that offense, and I think it will come at the cost of um, you know unique packages that may take the ball away from Gordon. So another thing we were wanting to to look into today, there's a lot of teams that are starting to really get some hype trains rolling behind them and. Adam and I have always been pretty opinionated about um, the goings-on in the NFL, so we have a few teams listed here, and um, I'm sure we'll we'll make some teams' fans upset, but Adam, how are you feeling about the Detroit Lions? You know what? This is a team that I, I want to believe in. Um, anytime a team has the Kansas City Chiefs in the last couple of years with Mahomes leading them, has them on the brink of, of losing a game. I, uh, I I cheer for that team so hard. And uh, to see Detroit be so close to pulling off that win and unfortunately lose it was was pretty heartbreaking. Um, I'm not willing to buy in, though, yet. I, I You know, Detroit will always come up and have those really strong games, and then they'll just drop off. And I want to see that consistency. I know with the Matt Patricia-led squad, um, they have the opportunity to be a strong team. I don't doubt that whatsoever, but I want to see it a few more weeks before I'm willing to buy into the hype train that they could be good. See, and it's funny that that name, Matt Patricia, is one of the big reasons that I am buying in on this team. 
I know last year there was a lot of turmoil because people thought that he was trying to implement the Patriots system in Detroit and uh, the players were kind of rebelling. But at the start of the year, it feels like people at the start of this year, it feels like the team really bought into what he wanted to do. Um, and I, I know there's a lot of people who feel differently. I still think Matt Stafford is one of the best quarterbacks in the NFL. There have been people wondering if he'd get traded, wondering all these different things. But with a QB like him and with the offense that he has around him in terms of personnel, it's a scary team. Is the defense amazing? No. Matt Patricia is a defensive-minded coach, and he'll be able to boost them a little bit. But, I mean, this is not a bad football team. And I am I am wanting to buy in on the hype. I don't think they're, they can win that division because Chicago is just too good. But they could very much be vying for a wild-card spot out of that division for sure. Yeah, it's one to watch, and um, that's probably one of my favorite divisions to watch. Um, you know, it's always a fight between primarily, like, the, the Bears and the Packers, but, um, you know, the Vikings potentially being there. In, it has four in, really good football teams. Absolutely, and that's the thing. Detroit is always that team that you don't always filter in the mix as much, but this could be the year that they, they put themselves in the mix. Um, talking about another team that has not been in the mix for a long time, and this offseason, everyone's buying into them being, you know, Super Bowl champs before the season even starts. What are your thoughts on the Cleveland Browns? Yeah, we got Detroit and Cleveland, the two teams that have gone 0-16. But yeah. I, oh. You know, I was I was in on the Cleveland hype. I, I was predicting, and this is almost embarrassing at this point, I thought 12-4. That's what I was telling people. 12-4, and 10-6, that was kind of the season they should be expecting. And uh, it was not a good start, but I, I do believe that that this week, this offense finally clicking, I think they're there. And that defense is strong. And with Odell Beckham, with Jarvis Landry, with Nick Chubb, with David Njoku when he comes back off of IR, they're going to start pushing teams. And this is a team that could win the division. I know Baltimore is very much the favorite, but I, I do like the Cleveland Browns at this point. And they'll most likely come and bite me in the butt when they get absolutely blown out this week, which is very possible. But I don't know. I It feels like it's Cleveland's time after this week, and I... I still think 10 and 6, 11 and 5 might be possible. Yeah, I'm, uh, you know, this is one of those teams that it would be somewhat exciting if they were good. It would be exciting if they could, uh, you know, compete with the Chiefs. And um, I won't say compete with the Patriots, but, you know, if, if there was a little bit more of, uh, you know, if it wasn't just Patriots and Chiefs at this point. Um, I'm not willing to buy into it though. I, again, I need more, I need more weeks. I need more time to be able to actually assess whether or not I think they're, they're a strong team. Um, but you know what? One team that I am willing to buy in on, on very little film or like a short, you know, short amount of confidence, Tampa Bay Buccaneers. There's something about them. And yes, we've talked about them, uh, quite a bit already. I think like this is the year I think this is the year that Jameis Winston proves that he's capable of taking that team to the playoffs I you know what I think I'm buying in on this hype yeah I'm I'm not interested in this team I think Jameis has shown us who he is in his time in the league he'll fall apart in a couple of weeks here for all the weapons they have they just don't have a quarterback to get the ball out there so I wouldn't be buying in they're in a tough division with the Saints with the Panthers who are looking like they might actually really start doing things and with a Falcons team that's going to be desperate for wins really soon here I they're not I can't even see them making the playoffs uh, they probably will come in third in that division would be my guess yeah that's interesting and um, I mean the divisional battle this week against the Saints will be a telltale sign of whether or not they're capable of fighting in this division and um, who knows if they can capture wins against you know uh, Drew Breesless Saints 
I mean, it, it could go into pushing this team and in, into the early lead for the division, and then who knows if they can maintain that going on. Um, speaking about another team that has a division lead, the NFC West, San Francisco 49ers. Undefeated. Is that expected? Is that? <laughs> I don't know how to interpret this team yeah. right now. It's, uh, it's kind of an unexpected G, one. Jimmy G. Like, I want to believe, um, but his stats at this point, I think he's played better than his stats show, but I still don't necessarily think he's the savior that San Fran was waiting for. Um, I like the football team. I think they're well coached. I think that they have potential. I think 3-0 and is them overachieving greatly. I think they're in a really tough division that they have no hope of winning. They might slip into a wild card spot, but I think this 3-0 and start will be soon forgotten. Yeah. Um, I think as much as people want to talk about Jimmy G and what that offense is doing, I think the defense is their, their, um, their chance to be good. I think with DeForest Buckner and, and what their defensive line is doing, um, what Richard Sherman in the back end is doing there, I think their defense, again, is, is what has the potential to maybe help them carry that lead in the division. But, uh, yeah, no, I'm not willing to buy in on this either. I think, yeah, 3-0 and is is more of a scheduling-type record as opposed to uh, actually reflecting how good they are. I'm not willing to buy into them. So uh, last one then, the one that everybody is in on right now. There's there's memes, there's some very interesting offers to a player from some uh, suspect companies. The Jacksonville Jaguars <laughs> come out, lose their starting quarterback, and a sixth round rookie comes and is leading them to wins. What are you what are you thinking with the Jags? Yeah, you know what? Um, talked about it a bit earlier. I think Leonard Fournette is the focal point of this team, and I think. Um, for Gardner Minshew to come in, is he playing well? Absolutely, uh, especially for a person coming in from his position. It's not like this is a first-round pick. Like This is a sixth-round pick um, that's coming in. Do you want to draw the Tom Brady comparisons? Or not yeah, go yet? no. Uh, they did that with Luke Falk, and that made me a little bit... <laughs> yeah, not going to go over that topic. But anyways, um, yeah, like this is a sixth-round pick. Came in first week of the year. Uh, how much time did he get with the starters, you know? How much time did he actually get to mesh with them? And and he's led, you know, some pretty good offensive series. And, I mean, he's doing pretty well in Jacksonville there. But, I, again, I think the focal point is Leonard Fournette. I think that Leonard Fournette has the opportunity to carry this team, and the team will only do as well as Leonard Fournette is able to take them. Um, an interesting situation about this team is, is the Jalen Ramsey controversy. Who knows if he's going to play there? Who knows if he's getting traded? Um, but I, I think that this team has to build themselves on Leonard Fournette if they want to be successful. Yeah, I think I'd be shocked if Jalen Ramsey was traded at this point. But even with him, I'm waiting for the Gardner Minshew train to kind of derail. I I can't see them being competitive in their division. I can't see them making the playoffs. But Jacksonville's proven me wrong before. So um, moving off of specifically uh, on-the-field stuff, Adam and I find it a lot of fun just to scroll through Twitter and see what's going on in the NFL world. And it, it's been a good week for Twitter, I think. Um, I think one of the, the fun stories of the week was Bill Belichick's very interesting defensive motions. He's standing on the sideline, and I saw some people joking. It looked like he was trying to cast a spell on the Bills. Um, but a lot of people jumped in on this Bill playing the piano, and Kyle Van Noy was asked on NFL Network what he thought uh, Bill Belichick was playing on piano, and he decided it was going to be a Dr. Dre song. It, it's been a bit of a fun week for that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, 
I've heard the name <laughs> Billy Joel Belichick. I, I thought that was pretty fitting. Um, you know, this is especially a guy who's like, you know, love Bill Belichick. Absolutely love Bill Belichick. But he's, he's a, and like he's known for being emotionless. He's known for, you know, always having that straight face and, you know, telling you the same answer over and over despite what the reporters ask. And to see him somehow involved in social media in this capacity and getting the, you know, the the meme count or whatever you want to say, like the amount of memes that are being made off of that, the amount of music that's being overlaid to that. And oh, it's just, it's absolutely awesome. I, I love it. I feel like at this point I would play for a video of him edited into a uh, piano man. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, it's, uh, you know, I, I'm excited to see what the people of Twitter do with that video. That's for sure. And another thing Twitter was really buzzing about Stefan Diggs sends out an emoji and uh, the world kind of explodes. Yeah. I mean, Whenever a player puts that just that one emoji, um, you know, like a single emoji in a tweet, and it's an emoji that's so ambiguous and no one knows how to read into it. I remember Gronk a couple months back had like the eye emojis, and uh, it was like, okay, is he is he coming back from retirement? Who knows? With Stephon Diggs, it's is he being traded? Um, you know, it looks like it looks like he's not happy in that offense. It looks like he knows he's not being featured in that offense. Is he not happy? Is he moving on? Uh, what's the situation here? I mean, you can't blame him for being upset. Uh, he is a very talented receiver who really until this week hadn't been used at all. And there are teams that definitely could use the help. The Chargers come to mind. The Bengals, I mean, yes, they have A.J. Green coming back. And with how few wins they have, they might not be thinking about it. But he's locked up on contract for a while. Like, at this point, if you trade for him, you're you're getting a good player for a few years. And if you can afford it, I imagine a lot of teams are, are definitely considering. So we'll have to see how this goes. I know he's been linked to the Patriots. That seems incredibly unlikely to me. I think cap space alone is a deterrent, but, I mean, we'll have to see how this turns out. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, transitioning to another receiver who uh, was not using emojis but was rather very explicitly telling us he just wants to play Fortnite. Juju playing Fortnite, talking about it with his teammates. What do you think of that? This might be the most fun I've ever seen a player have while being mic'd up. He's running down the sideline. He sits down beside, I think it was the, the Steelers punter, and goes, so who are the girls that you like? And trying to, to lean the mic into him. He was just messing with people. And at the end of the game, just starts declaring that he just wants to go home and play Fortnite. I love it. I, I, all the 13-year-old boys freaked out and had a good time. And, and all the, the longtime gamers probably groaned a little bit. But... I don't know. It's fun to see the more human side of these football players. You imagine they spend their lives working out, eating protein, and, and just playing sports. And so to to see a player like him who just has his pastimes that he enjoys, I think he actually streams Fortnite online. So he has a lot <laughs> of fun. And, and I respect it, man. Like, it, it's cool to see that. Yeah, no, absolutely. And uh, and that's the thing, too, when you see players that are reacting to to different sports or different, you know, different things out of context. It's just it's really cool to see. Um, yeah, it was another tweet that we liked was LeBron commenting on uh, a tweet by the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of when Mike Evans scored his touchdown against the LA Rams, you know, he goes and does the silencer like LeBron's move, uh, whenever he makes a clutch shot in the playoffs and yeah, LeBron absolutely loved it on Twitter. And, uh, yeah, I, I can imagine like what you were saying, Daniel earlier, right. It's, um, yeah, like seeing them off the field, seeing, it must be a big deal when LeBron goes and likes your tweet. Like as a, as a person off the field, like to see the, you know, to see someone who's pretty popular in like the world network. Well, right. He's LeBron. I'll tick off some basketball fans, but he might be the best player of all time. 
And so even for, for Mike Evans, yeah, he's Mike Evans by his own right is definitely a top player in the NFL. But you have LeBron like showing respect on you, not ripping off, but but paying homage to his celebration. Like that's pretty exciting. And I, I imagine that's cool even for a guy who's in kind of the same position as LeBron. That's it's just a lot of fun. Yeah, absolutely. And it's it's cool to see that LeBron's sitting on his couch watching a, an NFL game on a Sunday afternoon just like the rest of us. Well he fans wanted to come there. out and play tight end a few years ago. So. Yeah, who knows? Hey the Browns could use him with Njoku no going down. But uh yeah, you know what? This is going to be our our unique segment of our podcast that we're gonna do every week. Um you know what? If you've ever played the game Clue, uh, maybe Daniel, I'll let you explain it a bit better. But this is uh, this is a fun game that we think you're going to enjoy. Yeah. So I admittedly thought this was kind of a dumb idea initially, but I've come around and I think it'll be kind of fun. So the game of Clue, you have to take a guess on kind of three aspects. So you have to guess um, who was the murderer, what weapon did they use, and where did they commit a murder. And so we wanted to kind of use that formula to do. Um, less than a minute, really quick takes on just this upcoming week of NFL action. Uh, and we're going to keep tabs on how well we're doing. Um, and I guess we'll see where it lands by the end of the season, see if our picks are, are actually worth anything. And uh, we'll, we'll get it rolling with this, Adam. Do you think that Jared Goff and the Rams are going to end up in the win column against the Seattle Seahawks? I have to say yes to this one. Um, I think... I know we talked about the Seattle Seahawks and how Russell Wilson's doing, but I think this is finally the week that, you know, Jared Goff shows us why they were NFC champs last year. I think they've been getting the ball to their receivers quite well. I think their defense needs to step up. Um, but I think this is the week that, that Jared Goff and the Rams get back in the win column. I'm willing to go with, uh, with the bet on that. I get that they're, they're a team that is probably kind of ticked. They just lost to the Bucks, But Seattle's really good. And I think Seattle wins that division, and I'll, yeah, I'll take the opposite on you on this one. I think I think Seattle takes this win, and oh, do I want to say I? I'm not considering this part of the bet, but I would say they take it by two scores. No, that's that's <laughs> that's pretty gutsy, that's for sure. Um, speaking of uh, yeah, speaking of gutsy, um, this is the complete opposite, and is not gutsy whatsoever. Um, obviously we'll make these clues a little bit more interesting going forward, but just, uh, just one for the taking here, Patriots defense in the backfield against the Washington Redskins. So um, let's qualify that a bit. Let's say three sacks and at least four run stuffs. You have to take that. I mean, I'd be willing to say five plus sacks just the way, you know, Kyle Van Noy, AFC defensive player of the week. Um, you know, guys that are playing big roles as far as snap count. Uh, you got Jamie Collins, you got Kyle Van Noy, um, you know, even guys like Adam Butler are playing really well um, and getting in the backfield consistently. Guys like Chase Winovich. Um, yeah, these guys are going to get five plus sacks against whichever quarterback Jake Gruden decides to put in there and <laughs> potentially his last game as head coach. Yeah, no, this one, I think you're right. You, you got to take it. Um, you know, we got to give ourselves a few of these easy ones because otherwise our records probably wouldn't look really good. So our last one then is Ezekiel Elliott going to end up in the end zone against the Green Bay Packers defense yeah I'm, I'm very confident saying that he will um, just the way that Jordan Howard played for the Philadelphia Eagles it, it was you know it's one of those games where you see how well a player plays and you know the next week that, um, that that's going to be an exposed part of of that defense so I, I think the Cowboys recognize that the Packers just aren't able to to handle that running game so I think the Cowboys do 
do attack this. And I think that Ezekiel Elliott gets in the end zone uh, against the Green Bay Packers for sure on Sunday. Yeah, he played so bad on Sunday night. And so I feel like in what's essentially an anger game for Ezekiel Elliott, I'd be willing to bet he gets in twice. So, I mean, I guess we'll see how these picks pan out. But we just want to thank you guys for for joining us on this first episode. We realize that we're definitely new to this and um, we'd love to, to hear your suggestions. So if there's any segments you think would be fun to add or um, any suggestions for the podcast at all, you can shoot us an email at thegoallinefade at outlook.com. Thank you so much for joining us, and we'll hopefully see you again next week.